0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian
1: gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass caught, the first down, hits on the 20, 15, shoots a defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska, Dale Robinson's first
2: touchdown as a Cornhusker.
0: Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
2: Yep, we're here. Thank you so
1: much for spending part of your night with us. So glad to have you here. It's our last live show of the week tomorrow night. We'll have our our last greatest games, at least on the schedule for now. And it's going to be the 95 Orange Bowl. At the conclusion of the 94 season, the Huskers' victory over the Miami Hurricanes will also... Be having a Facebook live chat going on in conjunction with the game tomorrow night, hosted by our own Brendan Stid. That's going to be a lot of fun to hear what those guys have to say as they recall uh, the ins and outs of that game against Warren Sapp and the Miami Hurricanes. So that's tomorrow night. You can watch the video part of that at HuskerSports.tv. That should be a lot of fun tomorrow night. Coming up this hour, it's we continue on our position breakdowns of the Cornhuskers. Defensive backs coach Travis Fisher going to be along to talk about the DB room, which I think is really getting crowded in a good way. I think there's a lot of good players in that defensive backs room. We'll hear the breakdown from the coach. We will then go through and pick out how we feel like that room grades out with the rest of the teams in the Big Ten West uh, later on in the hour. We'll also have our Flicks picks of the week later in this hour as well. We did running backs of the night, Ben, with Ryan Held, and there's news that came out today. Husker Online reporting that Nebraska has added a late walk-on to the football team. Young man from Tallahassee, Florida, by the name of Jacques Yant, who Rivals has him as a three-star running back. He apparently Travis Fisher was down there visiting that high school. Uh, talking to Keyshawn Green, who's a linebacker that's on the campus for Nebraska right now. And Nebraska-like team made an offer, was told at that point that uh, there was some issues, hurdles that he had to overcome in order to move on to the next level. Apparently, he has cleared those hurdles and now headed to Lincoln to be a part of Ryan Held's running back room. But this is a pretty good little late get for Ryan Held. We talked the other night about you're getting better depth at that running back spot, but you can certainly use some more. And so here they get Yant, young man from the state of Florida, that uh, at least rivals thought enough of to make him a three-star. Yeah, and then you consider the fact that uh,
3: what uh, Ryan Held said about uh, Brody Belt, too, and and their ability to get walk-ons into the game. So, you know, you feel – uh, like this isn't a big deal. Just think about you know Nebraska in recent years with Wyatt Mazur and and now Brody Belt. You know this is anybody that's capable uh, that that's that's willing and able to put in the work and understand what they're doing out there is going to get a look. And again, th- we talked about this a little while ago, Greg, with the amount of. Uh, walk-on additions that nebraska has made and we could talk about the quantity but i think it's it's more justice to talk about the quality of walk-ons that uh nebraska's staff has been able to find turnover rocks and and find all these you know different uh you know avenues to add players and and these ones aren't even you know counting aren't counting against uh aren't counting against your, um, your your scholarship limits. And so, yeah. again, to find the, the resources that are going to come help your football team in ways, in creative ways nonetheless, uh, and, you know, chalk this one up to an assist to Keyshawn Green, incoming freshman too. Uh, you know, I, I just think that it's so spectacular that the coaches are able to do this and, you and, and positions of need as well. We obviously, special teams, you know, we've seen the additions to the special teams specifically with kickers and punters, but also now you're starting to see them address needs on the football field, in this case running back. So I'm eager to find out more about this young man's story Uh, and and, and why he thought Nebraska is a good place for him and and what this place is going to do for him in his career and eager to see what the coaches think of him once he gets here and to start working.
1: You hear the term all the time, don't leave any stone unturned. Well, that's what I kind of think of when I heard this story today. I'm like, wow, that's a really good – I mean, at some point along the line, Nebraska had identified Yant as a guy that was potential for them enough that they made an offer – and it does say here that they made the offer with maybe the thought of him being a safety, a DB, that type of player, that he's just a good football player. Well, this is this is really good work. And you know, like you just said, I mean, Nebraska's found a couple of walk-on guys over the last three or four months that, to me, have been pretty impressive. You, you get the, the guy from Iowa, the guy from Colorado State that added the offensive line room. Now you have Yant. And right now he's going to start as a running back, but obviously Nebraska's Thought about him at some other positions as well. I just, I'm impressed. I, You know, you can sit there and say this staff just been sitting on their hands for four months. That's not the case at all. They've been out there finding guys, finding people to try to help build some numbers and depth on the football team. So that that's really, really impressive uh, to do that today and uh, another nice little addition for Nebraska. Interested to hear from Travis Fisher here in a couple minutes talk more about these DBs. Austin also had this little note in the ticker about Zion Williamson leaving the nba bubble still a couple of weeks away from when they're going to start playing games but to take care of a family matter must be something pretty bad i hope everything's okay zion certainly is a budding star austin already has him as the top player in the nba because of he wore a duke uniform at one point in time in his life i'm not quite there yet to crown him as the greatest thing in the game i think he's really good and in the short time we got to see him play over the winter after he got himself healthy he was certainly making a big difference for the Pelicans, but. Um, that doesn't sound good. You have to just up and head out the door. No, no, especially
3: uh, with a family matter. I think everybody's first assumption, you know, this day and age is going to be something coronavirus-related, whether that's the case or not, uh, we don't really know. And then we'll find out more uh, on what the league supposes uh, is done with, with Zion and his situation and, uh, you know, the, if there's going to be any bending of the rule. Uh, of the self-quarantine period before you can play, but yeah, I wasn't expecting to hear that today. But I don't know, I don't know why you would. So yeah, Pelicans fans maybe,
1: maybe without uh, Zion here at least for you know a little while. Austin also mentioned the Memorial Golf Tournament. That's Jack Nicklaus's tournament. Uh, it's the second straight week they've played on the same course in Dublin, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it also marked the return of one Tiger Woods. First time he has played in a competitive golf tournament since February. So it's been five months. I think he shot even par, maybe one under today. Certainly not out of it at all. But it, it's been great that golf's been going. Last night after we got done with the show, I flipped on FS1. They had NASCAR. They were at Bristol last night. They had 20,000 fans in the stands at Bristol. So NASCAR, which has been up and running now for over a month, uh, moving along with their sport, my fingers are crossed for the same thing to happen for MLB and the NBA as well. Hopefully, they can get going and and keep the problems and the the uh, coronavirus positive test to a, a, a small amount, a manageable amount, because each thing that kind of gets going and gives everybody confidence that, that sports can coexist with co- coronavirus. Yeah, and the opposite effect
3: too. Um, you know, I think we're starting to see more and more conferences act on fall seasons. Uh, either pushing their dates back or canceling altogether, and it seems to be a domino effect. And you hope the the dominoes are going to start to fall in the right direction as opposed to the wrong direction. Right? You know, as we said, the Ivy League kind of setting the tone with uh, canceling the fall sports uh, last week, and starting to see a couple at least postpone the start date, and a couple more follow suit that they're just not going to play at all in the fall. So, you know, once the decisions are made, you hope that you know they're, they're kind of following the other way and you know this thing's going to start so this thing's going to start and this thing's going to start
1: but i think it's still too early to tell yeah time for us now to continue on our position breakdowns
0: tonight on sports nightly it's the husker football position breakdowns johnson
1: man sends a man in motion it's baker they turn they hand it off to baker around the left side and he gets hit and knocked down what a play by Mark just mute Firing up from his safety position tonight. Brandon Peters lowers the hand, gets the shotgun snap back to throw. Looks, holds, has plenty of time. Plenty of time now, guns it downfield, and the pass is going to be intercepted. Picked off at the 10 yard line by Cam Tanner Britt. He's to the 20 and gets up at the 21 yard line. Cam Tanner Britt's second pick of the year, and there's a turnover forced by the Black Shirts.
0: Defensive backs coach Travis Fisher.
1: And here to talk about the defensive backs, Husker defensive backs coach Travis Fisher. This has certainly been a crazy couple of months. What, have you have you learned anything about your guys the last couple of months? Maybe maybe you've found some leaders in, in that room over the last few months.
4: I mean, uh, with a lot of stuff that's going on across the world, you got to give those guys a lot of credit with things changing uh, constantly on on us. And on them, and it's just a lot going on with them, you know, being able to trying to be safe, and um, you know, give the university a lot of credit. um, What they have going on, it's awesome, man. I'm talking about the kids are are well taken care of and they're safe, and the guys are responding um, to, to to every change and every situation that they they've been in. They're responding, excellent. So I'm happy. For the guys that are here and the guys that are moving forward they got the young guys moving forward and i'm very happy and pleased with what they have today
1: well let's start with some of your your more seasoned players and let's start with dicaprio how, how big a, a a part of that defense has he been the last couple of years and your thoughts and expectations for him going into his senior season
4: yeah at this point dicaprio is a grown man i mean everything he, he's doing he handles it he handles it like a grown man uh, he's a leader in the room. Uh, he's he's done uh, far and beyond what you ask him to do every day. Um, uh, he's been a mentor to the young guys. He's been a, a great teammate. He's been a leader. Uh, he's a leader to the older guys, holding himself accountable, showing up. He's working out three or four times a day. Most of the time, he's on his own. Um, and you know, um, he's doing a great job. Can't say enough about him.
1: Coach, last year we certainly saw strides made by Markel Dismuke. What did you see from Markel, and what kind of senior season can he have?
4: Markel has done a great job of being able to learn the defense and learn uh, exactly way uh, you know, um, his responsibility and also knowing other, um, other, his other teammates' responsibility and just knowing the defense He's been done a great job of helping the young guys learn the playbook and just being, um, you know, just like Dcap, just an extra voice in the room that can help guys come along faster.
1: Markell's role really was enhanced last year with the, the unfortunate injury to Deontay Williams. Give us an update on Deontay. Uh, first of all, I hope he's healthy. And then how much did you miss that young man last year on the field?
4: Yeah, with Deontay going down first game of the season, I, you know, uh, it was great that we had Markell having a great training camp. And uh, so, um, yes, we did miss Deontay during the season, but at the same time, you know, we had no time to lick the wound Had just um, put the next guy out there. So Markell um, did the best that he could. And, you know, a lot he uh, had uh, a lot of good games. And he had some games where he could have done better. But we we're happy. Um Happy with Martel and Deontay. Um, today, he, he's a grown man. He's he's exactly like uh, a Boodle um, as far as everything you ask him to do. Three or four times working out, looks like a beast, moving like a moving like a a, a rocket. On, you know, when he's when he's running around, um, he's picked up weight. He's strong. Um, you know, he looks like a pro.
1: Well, you you and I have talked for the last couple of years. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
4: Very happy with Deontay as far as where he's at today. If the football season started today, he'll be ready to go.
1: You know, you you and I have talked for the last couple of years. You love guys that can be versatile, that can bounce from spot to spot. I don't think there's anybody that exemplifies that more than Cam Taylor Britt. Talk about his versatility, and, and where do you envision him being for you on the field this fall?
4: Uh, kind of what Cam ended up at last year. I put him at corner, and I didn't want to move him around as much going into next year. Um, but he has so much versatility; you can put him anywhere. He's been groomed to be that type of player since he's been here. Uh, he's played every position in the secondary. He knows it all. But every name that i just given you, like, you know, um, Deontay, Boodle, and Cam can play every position in the secondary. Um, and that's, you know, some great – um, attributes that those guys have to be able to play every position in the secondary and know it and know the positions that well um, on the defense as well. And so um, Cam is another one that's maturing a whole lot. He's getting a lot better um, with the leadership of Deontay and the leadership of, uh, of Boodle. They're helping bring Cam along. So you, um, Cam should be another one in the future that'll be just like those guys.
1: Again, busy with Husker Defensive backs coach Travis Fisher here as we break down positions on the Husker Sports Network. All right, that's kind of your older group. Let's kind of come down now to some younger guys. Braxton Clark, is. we've seen flashes of him the last couple of seasons. What, Where is he in his development, Coach, and, and what kind of expe- expectations do you have for him this fall?
4: Yeah, we put Braxton in and he started the game. I think it was Purdue. Um, I think it was Purdue, but Braxton started the game and did a great job. I mean, he did a great job, and a, a couple times uh, he made some pretty good plays. But i tell you what, Braxton is another one that I can put on the field. I'm feeling very confident about putting on the field uh, this uh, this season. And so, um, you know, Braxton is is getting that final stage of grind that I usually do to the younger guys and grind them to make sure that they, sure they're able to go out and play in front of 90,000 people every week and play on a very high level. Um without folding any time in the football game. So Braxton is coming out of that shield, and um, it's going to be competitive in camp. It's always going to be competitive, but it's going to be very competitive in camp to see who come out of that thing on top to week one.
1: That that next group would be that those guys that are in their second year in the program, the Noah Pola Gates, the Quentin Newsoms, the Miles Farmer. We we saw bits and pieces of each of them a year ago. How about their development? And obviously, I would expect a, a bigger role, and I think you would expect a bigger role out of those guys coming in the fall.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, I got. I'm from the interesting camp. Those guys, the younger guys, are not afraid of the older guys, and the older guys are ready to compete. And so. Uh, you know, you really can't tell with Miles Farmer and Quentin Newsom that those guys are are too too far younger than the other ones. You know, DiCaprio, I, I get it, he's a senior, but Quentin Newsome looks like a junior or senior, uh, the way he moves around. Miles Farmer is right behind him, uh, and he's playing the safety position too, right? he's way a lot way a lot more. So, uh, Miles Farmer is probably the heaviest one, uh, you know, as far as how much he weighs. And he moves. You know, those guys are putting in two or three workouts on their own. No coaches around, um, and they're doing a great job at it too. So, um, loving the heat. You know, uh, Mother Nature's been good to us around here. So, those guys are loving the heat and playing out there in the heat. Uh, are working out. I'm sorry, out there in the heat. So, uh, they're doing a great job.
1: How big of a role can those guys or maybe anybody in your room play on special teams for this football team, Coach? Is that something that they're all willing and able to do?
4: Yeah, you got guys like Noah Polar Gates. that's a freak. Um, coming <laughs> off that injury, you would think that Noah was probably going to be a little behind, but I'm telling you, he's not behind at all. He's actually ahead ahead of schedule. Um, he's matured so much, and if there's one guy in the room that I'm so so proud of just over the last, over this last, you know, off season. It's, it's probably Noah Polar Gates of how he handled his injury and came back off his injury. And he's flying around. He's he's so much mature, so much more mature. And um, we're gonna see some great things out coming out of him this year.
1: Now you've got some some true freshmen that have arrived: uh, Delancey, Francois, Lynham. Uh, you probably haven't had a lot of time around them, but obviously you liked them enough to give them scholarships, and uh, they're going to have to come in and earn their stripes. But your thoughts about that core group that's now coming in and joining the program?
4: Yep, Delancey. Delancey is you know got in pretty late um, with students. You know when he graduated from high school, he haven't been here long, and I haven't been around him much. Um, but I tell you what he jumped in with uh, with, with both feet I mean you know, that's that's what you want him to do you want him to jump in and don't want to tip dip that toe in the water you just want him to jump in and then and then let him go and uh so he done a great job of doing that um he's 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 back back here with the team and he's working out I tell you what Tamar lineham been being a a mid-year kid that came in a little early he's put on 26 pounds since he's Ooh. been here so already, so you're talking about 26 pounds on a kid already. Um, and he's jumped in both feet. So I'm just telling you, those younger guys look like sophomores. Uh, probably, you know, with me being able to coach guys from, you know, three or four years, um, this is probably the first time that my freshmen, the ones that are here, my freshmen uh, um, being mid-year guys, um, those freshmen look like they're sophomores. Um, I mean, as far as everything that they're learning, they're learning so much. So um, it's going to be an interesting camp, and it's going to be guys are all cool and they're close. Um, I couldn't be more proud of that group. I think this is probably one of the best groups I've had as far as um, being mature in the room and being, and sticking together. So um, I was happy with last year's team going into training camp. Uh, with some guys that needed to mature, but I think this year the guys that are coming to camp, those guys are very mature and ready to go.
1: Coach, you like every other coach on the staff. You also have walk-ons in your room, and Eli Sullivan's been a big part of not only the defense but special teams the last couple of years. Is do you anticipate him kind of having the same role again this fall?
4: Oh, Eli Sullivan. You know, yep. Those are, those guys are my culture guys. Those guys that help set that culture in that room and the way that it is. Uh, he has a voice in the room. Everybody listen to him. We love Eli. Uh, we got Ashton Hausman. Those guys have jumped in. Those guys are already bonded with the guys, and they're around and they're working out. Yeah. They, I, 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 Gilford. Isaac Guilford. Isaac Guilford is another one that's bonded and bonded with the guys. He's jumping around. Those guys are getting big. Those guys are uh, working out. Those guys, they can't tell those guys are not on scholarship. You know, I don't really look at guys like on scholarship and who's on scholarship and who's not. Um is um, it a maturity level, and and are they willing to jump in with both feet? And that's where that's where it all starts. So those guys that um, uh, that I just named, those guys are doing a great job, and they're gaining weight, and they're working out, and they're they're working out twice a day as well, two or three times a day. So you're talking about those older guys, bring them along, and they jump right in the boat. Well,
1: Coach, as always, we appreciate the rundown on the players. I I can't wait for this thing to get going. You've done a terrific job at that room since coming to Nebraska, and I can't wait to see the competition get ramped up here in the next month. Keep them healthy, and let's hope we get some football here in a couple of months.
4: Yeah, I know it, man. I'm talking about I got my fingers crossed, and right now I'm preparing for a football season. So um, that's where my focus is at, but I'm ready for these guys to get get, get started up pretty soon hopefully and then get to competing every day and and getting to build this thing the right way
1: thanks to travis fisher husker defensive backs coach for spending some time with us breaking down the db room which it just it just seems stacked to me ben i think there's going to just be so much competition in that room to get playing time and while you got some guys you're pretty confident are going to be out there like decap and deontay williams and kim Teddy the other guys are going to have to play well they're going to find themselves standing on the sidelines yeah,
3: there's a batch of them that just came in from Travis Fisher's hot area at Miami area and from uh, from Northwestern High School and, and surrounding high schools as well. Uh, eager to see how those guys compete on the field too. And and one young guy that I think is going to get a heck of a look that I thought played pretty well while he was in there last year is Braxton Clark. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I think could, could pick up some of the slack with Lamar Jackson leaving. I I was a huge fan of the way Braxton Clark played last year, and he's a tall, lanky guy. Had an interception last year, and I um, feel like he's a guy that that could make immediate impact this year as well, that, you know, it's just waiting for an opportunity, and I think now's the time.
1: You know, you look at this, this group, I think the one thing we've been kind of hoping for, and we had a question about it on Famous Faceoff last night, is you want more turnovers. You want more picks. Now, it's not all on the back end. You need pressure up front. You need pressure hitting the quarterback in the quarterback's face to loosen that up a little bit. But it sure would be nice to kind of see some some more interceptions come the way of that group back there. Yeah, it would. And I think it, it's not just on the DBs to do that. I think it's uh,
3: it, it's on the D-line to get pressure. I think those linebackers, too, um, making life easier on the secondary do not have a cover as long. and. You know, we did see some good plays on the ball last year. I think JoJo had a, had a few of them from the linebacker spot. I can think of a couple plays that Lamar made by himself um, that were just great effort interceptions and closing gaps and co- closing speed. Sometimes that's all it is. But getting pressure up front on the quarterback and getting hits on the quarterback definitely makes that easier.
1: All right, um, let's get into it. Let's grade out how Nebraska's DBs rank with the rest of the folks in the Big Ten West. How give me your top three, Ben. Who do you like at the top in the West? Yeah, this was
3: a this was uh, I got a disclaimer. This was a hard one to grade. I think uh, you know a lot of times it's some of the spots are cut and dry, but or there's a drop off. But I felt like uh, six of the seven groups here are going to be pretty solid. Uh, I think there's one group that. Is well below the rest of them, but you know, sorting through the returners and the and the um, stats from last year, I've got Wisconsin at number one, 12th in the nation against the pass last year. Obviously, with the secondary, Jim Leonard, a former NFL player in the secondary, is going to have those guys coached up at a high level. Returning all four starters, and Fayon Hicks, Caesar Williams at corner, and Stout at safety too, with Scott Nelson and Eric Burrell, both very good players at safety. So I've got Wisconsin at one. I've got Minnesota at two, surprisingly all the way up at two. Uh, they were ninth in the country last year against the pass. They obviously lose Antoine Winfield first-round draft pick, and you thought that would knock them down a few pegs, but they get everybody else back. Their corners, Benjamin St. Just and uh, Corey Dunn, and obviously uh, at safety Jordan Howden, too, who was one of their leading tacklers a year ago for Minnesota. So I got the Gophers at two, and I've got Northwestern all the way up at number three. They were 23rd in the country against the pass last year, and they get everybody back, including a pair of safeties that are all Big Ten performers and Travis Whitlock, and J.R. Pace. And they got a lot of depth at corner um, as well behind Cameron Ruiz. So I go Wisconsin 1 based on their stats and who they got back. I got Minnesota at 2 and Northwestern all the way up at 3. All right. Austin, give me your top three.
5: Yeah, I'm very similar to Ben, a slightly different order, though. I've got Minnesota in the top spot. I know they lose Antoine Winfield. That's a big deal, but I still like what they have coming back a little bit more than I do at Wisconsin. I think those defensive backs were a big part of the Gopher success last year, and they will be this year as well. Wisconsin is number two, though. Again, a very similar story. There's not much separation between Minnesota and Wisconsin at the top of my list. In Northwestern, the continuity getting everyone back is a big deal. I think that's really good for the Cats. So I've got them in my number three spot. How about do you have Josh's with you? I do have Josh's. Josh ranks the Wildcats number one. Ooh. So they're up at number one. He has Nebraska's room as the second best in the West. And then Wisconsin in third.
1: Okay. Josh shaking things up these first couple of days of these position breakdowns. I like it. Um, and I, I also I'm going to echo Ben. This was hard because there's a lot of good players in the secondary in the Big Ten West. This was not cut and dry. There's not a lot of difference between a lot of these teams, and you even go off their, their rankings from a year ago against the past compared to the guys that they have coming back. It is this razor-thin margin in the defensive backfield spot. But I line up exactly like Ben. I go Wisconsin one I love having those two corners back. If I'm them, I think that's a great place to start. And then Minnesota 2, Northwestern 3. So I go bang, 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 right along with Ben 1, 2, and 3. All right, Ben, how about 4 through 7?
3: Yeah, to finish it out here, here's where I got Nebraska. I got the Huskers 4th. They were 30th in the nation against the pass last year. And we obviously are a little more in the know. Uh, with Nebraska's pieces in the secondary compared to maybe some of the preseason magazines and what they consider a returning starter and not. I think, yes, you lose Lamar Jackson, but uh, getting Deontay Williams, I think, is immediately going to put Nebraska in the breadth of the conversation for uh, best secondary in the West. So I've got the Huskers here at number four. I've actually got Illinois all the way way up here at number five. They were 45th in the country against the pass last year, and they returned three starters, including – uh, corner Nate Hobbs who is a very good ball on ball corner and a couple of safeties in Sidney Brown and Tony Adams. I also get Marquez Beeson back who got injured in the early part of the year last year. So that's another guy that they were very confident and very high on as a freshman a year ago before getting injured. And I know People are probably going to scoff at the fact that I have Illinois ahead of Iowa, but a lot of this is eye test. I mean, Illinois really impressed me last year with uh, what they were able to do in the secondary and how hard those guys hit and how hard those guys competed. So I've got the Illini at five. Here's where I got Iowa at six, 19th in the country against the pass last year. Their pass rush with Epinesa obviously helped that. You lose Geno Stone and you lose all Big Ten corner Michael Ojemudie to graduation. So you lose two big pieces if you're Iowa with Stone at, at corner and Ojemudie at corner. You do get Jack Corner back, who was second on the team in tackles, but... Um, I'm interested to see how Iowa's secondary performs losing those two parts and losing a guy like A.J. Epinesa, even though they were a top-20 team against the pass last year. And that's where the drop-off happens after Iowa. Purdue is by far the, the seller, uh, last-place team in the league, 94th in the pass last year. You only get one of those guys back. They do get uh, Tyler Coyle, a UConn transfer. I wonder if Bob Diaco had some sort of connection there <laughs> uh, with his former UConn ties. But Purdue is by far in the basement. Okay. Austin.
5: Yeah, I'll I'll get the Purdue part out of the way there in my cellar as well. <laughs> not not very hard on that one. You lose a two year starter in Kenneth Major, have a backup safety back. Corey Trice could be good, three picks and five starts, but that's really all that Purdue has going on. So they're in my seven. Jumping back up to four, this is where I have Nebraska. Greg, I'm with you. This, this group needs to create more turnovers. It really does. They need to swing a game with a pick or two. And there are a lot of guys who can do it. They look like they have the ability to do it. The older guys that have played, the younger guys that haven't. If Noel Pola Gates gets on the field, I think he could be a factor. But someone, anyone has to step up and really make actual plays in the secondary, not just prevent big ones. I've got Iowa at number five. Losing Odomudier in stone is a big, big loss to the back end. But Iowa always seems to have a guy. You know, what Wisconsin does with running backs, Iowa does with defensive backs. So I will bet on Iowa's defensive backs over Illinois. Again, really solid. Sidney Brown, three picks last year. Nate Hobbs, like Ben mentioned, a solid corner. Getting Beeson back is a big deal. I just trust Iowa a little bit more. Okay, I'm,
1: I'm pretty close to Ben again on this one as well. I've got Nebraska in the four hole. Love all the people that are coming back. I think it's going to be a really good unit back there. I just want to see him ball hawk a little bit more. Maybe that happens this year. And I'm with Austin here. I go Illinois. I, and part of it is what Ben said about the eye test. The, the eye test... You just the way they hit, they came up and popped people all year long. Getting Beeson back is a big get. Iowa lost quite a bit there. I think Iowa structurally is probably better, but again, we're splitting here, hairs here as we talked about, but I'll put Iowa in the six and then, yeah, there's a pretty good drop off to Purdue. So we talked about it being a pretty balanced position. Probably everybody but the bullet makers. Yeah,
3: man, I think Greg, we were, I think we were one through seven carbon
1: copy of each other.
5: It's true. Can't confirm.
1: How about that? Well, I mean, and yeah, I mean, you, there'll be people that raise their eyebrows about us having Iowa that low, but that, that's that, that, they lost a bunch back there. That's that's, and they they've had guys. Now again, I'm sure they've got dudes ready to come in and get going.
3: Yeah, maybe, but 12th against the pass too. That that says almost as much as about your pass rush when you got yeah. a guy like A.J. Epinesa. Epinesa who's in there in the backfield every two seconds. You're not exactly going to have a ton of time to throw the ball too, but. I know Gino Stone was a really good player. Oji was a really good player. I know they like Jack Corner, as I said back, back in when we were talking about it, eighty-one tackles. But um, you know they're losing some parts here, and I know they're gonna they'll probably end up being fine. But I like everybody else just
1: a little bit better.
5: Should we get Josh yeah, in good. here too?
1: Oh shoot! Yeah, I'm sorry, Austin. I jumped right over Josh. Give me Josh's four through seven.
5: No worries at all. So Josh has Minnesota down at number four, so the lowest ranking for the Golden Gophers here. Uh, Josh ranks him in fourth. He lines up with you guys in Illinois in the five spot. So I'm the only one that's different. I have Iowa in the five, Illinois in the sixth. The rest of you, including Josh, have Iowa in the sixth and Purdue in the basement, as we talked about.
2: Okay. Very good. No sports on this weekend. We've got you covered. I know everything about film. I've seen over
0: 240 of
2: them. Time now for Sports Nightly Flix Picks. And action. Okay, let's see what everybody's
1: been uh, putting their eyes on the last seven days. Ben, lead us off.
3: Yeah, I've been cranking out some old uh, ESPN thirty for thirties. I watched the two Escobars uh, the other night about Pablo Escobar and uh, uh, his name escapes me, but the other Escobar, the other Escobar, the the soccer player who. Um, ended up being killed um, in Colombia. That was it's such to me. It's still one of the best. It's one of the first thirty for thirties. Maybe the actual first thirty for thirty they ever did. Uh, it was really long. It was two hours long. But it's such a good one. And hadn't watched in a long time, so I watched that one, um, and, and watched the Fab Five after that. So I've been cranking some old thirty for thirties and uh, looking for a new series. I, I, I we kind of digging through. Um, uh, some old, some old Netflix, and might might jump back into a, a repeat. But uh, we put a bow on Waco. We finished Waco, and we finished. My wife hadn't seen The Society yet, so we finished up The Society. So, uh, looking currently on the prowl for a, for a new series.
1: Okay, Austin.
5: So I'm I'm still going through Brooklyn Nine Nine, and that got me uh, turned on to Palm Springs. It's the newest Andy Samberg movie. It's on Hulu right now. Um, I'll explain a little bit more, but here's a trailer. It's gonna be a beautiful wedding.
0: Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same.
6: You! What is going on? Hey, get out of the water!
1: Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time-loop situations you might have heard about.
7: That I might have heard about? Yeah.
2: The second you fall asleep, it all just goes back to the start.
5: I drove all the way back home to Austin, and I still woke up here. So basically, Andy Samberg is the best man at a wedding, and his girlfriend's cheating on him, so he and the, the maid of honor become good friends, except it's kind of like Groundhog Day. So as soon as they go to sleep, the day resets. The premises that they try to get out of it. They really can't. J.K. Simmons is involved with a bow and arrow somehow. But it just <laughs> strikes me as Andy Samberg's take on Groundhog Day, the... The trailer looks pretty funny, so I think I'm going to give that a watch here soon.
1: Heck yeah. Anything with him, in it is probably pretty good.
7: Very good. All right, Josh, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks. All right. Well, I mentioned a few weeks ago, I think it was, that I'd started watching the show Lost, which is one that I've made my way through before, but it just, it, it's really started to get good. I, I messaged Ben last night about it. He was, he's also seen it, and, uh, we were kind of reminiscing about a few of the characters on that show. So that was fun. But another show that I'm watching for the first time, I actually, this kind of harkens back to one of our top 10 Tuesday topics. Uh, Supermarket sweep has made its way onto Netflix. And so I checked out a couple episodes and I, I don't know if I'm going to really get into it, but it was, I'll say it was entertaining to see the, you know, the, it was, uh, I think it was, Probably in like '93 was the episodes that I was watching from around that season. So you know, early '90s uh, hairstyles and clothes and personalities, it, it, and it was a relatively entertaining show. I don't think it's one of the best uh, game shows of all time, but I can see, I can kind of see the appeal. How about You're the products
3: hooked. they have to go get? <laughs> I mean, it's so funny the products that like and how different the products were. That, yes. that people chose to, to buy in 1993 compared to now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, you're going to get hooked on
1: that. I can already feel that. All right. Uh, this is the fifth and final season for The Blind Spot. And so there's just a couple of episodes left. I am locked into. I've been locked into this the whole time uh, going through it. And here's a little trailer of what the last season is going to look like and sound like.
0: I would like to speak directly to these rogue agents. Turn yourselves in, end the carnage before anyone else gets hurt.
4: We're being framed. We could lose the whole thing. We've been compromised for a really long time.
7: Well, there's no coming back from this.
4: If it goes well, we at to the safe house.
7: I say we cut and run. We can't stop now.
0: We're hunting Madeline. She's hunting us. Actions have consequences. These are yours.
1: Pretty good show. It's been on the air, as I said, five seasons. This is the wrap up. It's and, and they've started it during the summer. NBC did to run it. It's got a few weeks left, so i have been keeping up on that. And I got to tell you, Yellowstone's getting good, boys. The Kevin Costner rancher story. It's getting pretty good. I haven't seen this past episode yet, but it's uh, this is season three for Yellowstone, and it's it is not disappointed at this point in time. So good stuff s- there. Still trying to figure out a way
3: to watch it. I think I think I have it figured out. I just have to set aside the time now to, to go make that happen.
1: Yeah, and it's not one of those shows you can pick up midstream. You you really need the backstory on a lot of this stuff as you go through it. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty good. I know Bill Moose is a big fan. Bill Moose watches this thing. We talk about it all the time. When we see him. Uh, so that there's this week's uh, flicks picks. Anything planned for the weekend, Ben? You got big big plans coming up. Uh, Off, we are gonna. You, you getting sticks out again? We're gonna try
3: and do. Uh, some type of diaper party, uh, social socially distance wise, we might, we might pull out the old wiffle ball bat and bat and ball set in the backyard. But, um, obviously with the, what we're dealing with now, it's making that more and more difficult to get a large group of people together. But there are a few brave souls out there that, that still want to participate and, and hang out and, um, celebrate baby Kennedy by, testing out some cold beverages so we might we might dabble in that this weekend how's the sleep been hit and miss last few nights have not not been ideal uh we, we kind of <laughs> thought we were out of the woods like maybe four or five days ago but it, it was one step forward and like six or seven steps back Let, let's hope it it starts to turn a little bit
0: it's summer the huskers are sharpening their skills with seven on seven drills we're keeping Greg and Ben in shape during the offseason with some seven on seven of our own. Seven topics. A seven nation army couldn't hold me back. From sports. From Manning,
7: seven touchdown passes.
0: To pop culture.
7: I never joke about my web 007.
0: It's time to go 7-on-7 on on Sports Nightly.
5: Well, Greg and Ben, we've been keeping you guys in shape with 7-on-7 all summer long. We've also been keeping someone else in shape, apparently. He hasn't been working out with the team. He rejoins us for our last summer practice. May I reintroduce the one, the only, Tim Curran.
2: Well, thank you for that lovely introduction, but you've just made a giant mistake. You've let loose the bull in the China shop. I'm ready to knock things over. I've been chomping at the bit, ready to get after it, and uh, now is the time.
3: Uh, I get it, Tim. China, China, like Hong Kong, China, like your Cthulhu's. Are, are you over? Are you over the
2: uh, disappointment of of your boys <laughs> in SNBL? I mean, I, I I had recovered, but until Ben just took that cheap shot after my hey, beloved franchise, you you, you let so, it out with the China reference. But Hong Kong isn't technically a part of China unless you know something I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. We get into geopolitics <laughs> right now, but
5: we can't. <laughs> Hot start to your first segment, back Tim. <laughs> Welcome
2: back, Tim. <laughs> Thank you.
5: Glad to have Thank back. you back. All right, so we're going to do this like we did. Don't remember if it was last week or a couple weeks ago. Uh, myself, Josh, and Tim have all prepared topics. We'll take oh, one, boy. four, and seven. Josh, two and five, and Tim, three and six. So, hope you guys are ready. Buckle in because we're headed Ooh. to space for our first topic. So, recently Ooh. NASA released a cologne called "O to Space" that combines the scent of seared steak, raspberries, and rum to create what astronauts describe as the smell of outer space. So this has been in development for about a decade now, but red tape and bureaucracy have kept it from being released until now. Afraid to have Information Act actually got it started. Now there's a Kickstarter campaign that's raised about $200,000 of cologne that sells for $30 a bottle. But my question for you guys is, would you rather smell like space for a week, eat only seared <laughs> steak, raspberries, and rum for a week, or go to space for a week?
3: What was the oh, first geez. part?
5: Would you rather Smelt. smell like space for a week, eat only Uh-oh. seared steak, raspberries, and rum for a week, or go to space for a week?
3: Uh, the second one, all day. I mean, I, I enjoy all three of those items very much.
1: <laughs> Come on, go yeah. to space. That's what I'm doing. I'm it would take it up, you a hell go. of a lot longer than a week to get there.
2: I'm pitching let's a remote go. show from space right now to the to the higher ups. We'll see if we can get that done. I think we could get a Zoom call so we could
3: get some <laughs> you know some nice backgrounds going.
5: Not much interference yes. in space. Signal should be pretty good, right?
1: Come on, hasn't every little boy dreamt about being an astronaut and wanting to go up in the
2: space? Yes. Yeah, when I was five.
5: Yeah.
2: Then I learned I'm I was so playing with Legos. <laughs> oh. Don't dis Legos. Yeah.
5: Come on now, that's a cheap shot. Wow. Then, I'm not. Dis- the second I'm just their second disposable. dream is
2: hosting Sports Nightly, so really we're all winners here.
1: <laughs> Tim jumps on and Ben gets saucy. It's it's just automatic. <laughs> it's crazy. It's yeah. Clockwork is a, he, a he Can't
3: help himself really. I,
1: I, I got
3: excited with steer steak,
7: raspberries, and rum. I, I, I'm good with that. <laughs> no space for Ben. Then, it's a well-balanced Fair meal. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, let's move on to topic number two and everyone's favorite athlete. Uh, former Major League Baseball player and current ESPN commentator Alex Rodriguez spoke up earlier today about the MLB labor agreement that will – be sure to become a major issue in about a year from now, saying that the players should agree to a salary cap. MLB is the only major professional league in the U.S. that doesn't employ a salary cap, but A-Rod says that that needs to change. Now, maybe there's a little bit of a motivation for A-Rod to say this, as he's reportedly in the running for the purchase of the New York Mets. So, a couple questions. First, should MLB adopt a salary cap? And second, would A-Rod make a good owner?
1: It it went over like a lead balloon to the players when they heard what he said because it's that's that's been a a bragging point for major league baseball players is that they have not succumbed to the cap that the nfl and the nba has done Uh, they feel like it's their kind of hook to freedom should it happen i I don't know i'm kind of a free market guy so i'm not really for that i think that that's great that they don't have a a cap would he be a good owner? Didn't we go through this ownership group and there was like a couple of odd names in that group? This is the Mason Plumley group with Travis one of the S- yeah, Plumleys. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um. How does Miles Plumley feel about this? I think we ought to
1: get his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think Aid Rod would be that great an owner, but my guess is he's probably not even the majority guy. Right. Uh, I think it's I think it's fine. I, and, the, and the thing about
3: baseball is you have every every team approaches it a little bit different like the Royals have a different mentality than the New York Yankees and so I you know it's as Billy Bean says in Moneyball Tim this doesn't apply to you you can just <laughs> no. let this one go over your head um, but you know the rich get richer and I and and you know it's a rich it's a rich man's game I believe was the quote and that's the way baseball has always been, and, and if, even if there was, you've got a large amount of those teams out there, those small market teams like the Hickman Harriers that just wouldn't want to put forth all the money and just, you know, play the play the draft and play the prospect game.
2: Yeah, the Hong Kong Cthulhu's could not deal with a salary cap. I mean, those those <laughs> salaries are already inflated enough. And I would have watched Moneyball had I just had the time. Just just wasn't enough enough time to get around to it. But moving on. According to the Wall Street Journal, one of the homes featured in the beloved TV sitcom The Golden Girls has just hit the L.A. real estate market at a modest asking price of just $3 million. So if you had the chance, gentlemen, which home from a TV show or movie would you most want to live in?
1: Am I the only one that's seen The Golden Girls? My guess is I am.
2: Now, my mom I used to watch that on a repeat. I, I, I've had plenty of exposure to Blanche and the, and the gals. So, I've, Not I've, that I've watched a lot of episodes, but I've seen a couple of them <laughs> they've been on. but. Man, right. that's you a good
1: love question, show, man. This, this might require some some thought here. Um, it's a brain bender. Well, before the Mandarin blew it up, Tony Stark's house was pretty sweet <laughs> hanging over yeah. the cliff, but but that's not a TV show. That was or a it movie. could be a it's movie. movie. Yeah, I'll accept that. Movies, so I'll
5: accept that.
3: That thing was sweet. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of like a...
5: Especially if you get everything that comes with it.
1: That, uh, that movie Richie Rich... Mount Richmore, I'll take that. Yeah. How about the mansion they use for The Bachelor? That thing looks pretty nice too. I mean, nice, great pool in the back. Yeah.
5: Give me Michael Scott's condo. That's a plasma TV. <laughs> that
1: shared wall, though, paper
3: thin walls.
5: <laughs> That's all right for now. And that <laughs> burner comes parties. off. I
3: don't know if it's supposed to do that. Was that the dinner party one? Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, they're. Well, he he buys a condo in like in a, like season in ep in season yeah. two. But
1: he, but he shows off the little mini mini TV. Yeah, that's season four. Dinner.
3: That's yeah. when he lives with Jan and sleeps yeah. on the uh, little foot foot <laughs> Oh man!
7: All
5: right, that's well, a
3: good question. That would require more thought, but I'll go with the Richie Rich mansion.
5: Love it. So, we'll hop from good old Scranton, PA, the electric city, all the way out to Wyoming, USA. So, last week, a six year old boy named Bridger jumped in front of his four year old sister to defend her from an aggressive German Shepherd. The boy said afterwards that if anyone was going to die, it should be him. He knew he was going to get hurt, and he did. He had two hours of surgery, over 90 stitches, and he'll need some plastic surgery moving forward. But one positive for little Bridger is that actor Chris Evans, who played Bridger's favorite superhero, Captain America, is sending him an authentic Captain America shield from the movies to use to fight off any other bad dogs that come between or try to come between him and his sister. But I want to ask you guys, what's the nicest thing you've ever done for one of your siblings?
2: Hmm. (laughs) First of of all, that's an awesome
3: story. That's just that. That's one that just tugs at the heartstrings right there. It's hard. I was going to make a joke, but it's kind of hard to. And at the, you know, at a story (laughs) like this, it's, that's that's amazing to have that instinct yeah. at at that age. That's I saw the photos of that that little boy, and man, that's that's a story he and that family
1: are going to tell the rest of their lives. This one's easy for me. My I, I'm one of three boys. I'm the middle one. The the other two of us, for my older brother's fiftieth birthday, we bought him a spot in the Royals fantasy camp. Ooh. Oh, nice. nice! Now, how cool is that? That's I bet he loved that. Him. Paid the entry free fee. He's down there and surprise hanging out with George Brett and all those guys. John Mayberry, all those that's guys cool. for a week. He had a blast. He was sore for a month and a half when he got back, but he had a blast. <laughs> that's that's cool.
3: Um, I moved into my sister's basement, paid her rent. That's pretty nice. I mean, <laughs> took care of their dog. Yeah, I took care of their dog. Helped raise that. He's not little. Hel- helped raise that animal. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's nice. It's pretty standard, I brother.
5: Like <laughs> didn't overperform,
3: <laughs> didn't underperform. I think I was right at right <laughs> at par.
5: Hey, you did your job. Nothing more, nothing less. Can't complain about that.
7: Perfect. Mr. Consistency. All right. Moving on to topic number 5. Yesterday there was a little bit of drama on the old website twitter.com. There's a site-wide hack that took, o- took over some accounts of Uh, Famous people, including Bill Gates, Barack Obama, Elon Musk, Joe Biden, Kanye West, and others. The hackers were able to receive over $50,000 in Bitcoin transfers before Twitter shut down all of the verified accounts. Twitter-wide. There were a lot of jokes made last night about the unverified accounts on Twitter rising up and taking over, but assuming that neither of you guys were behind the hacks, we'll ask you what famous person's Twitter would you hack if you could get away with it. So basically, you have free reign of their account for a few hours. You knew we weren't going to let you get away without an incriminating Uh. question before we end 7-on-7 for the summer. I have wondered that, like,
3: like who has the most Twitter followers? Like, Kim Kardashian or like Uh, Ariana Grande or somebody like that. Somebody with just like millions and millions and millions of Twitter followers. Like they can just tweet like an exclamation point and that's it. And that tweet would literally like go viral. I'm I'm wondering what that would actually be like, you know, to to have that many followers, like literally millions of followers. And, you know, you could have your child or your dog walk on the keyboard and push tweet (laughs) And that tweet would see more traction than 98% of all of Twitter that entire rest of the day. That that kind of power would be. That's a lot of responsibility at your fingertips.
5: Your top five, by the way, are Barack Obama 120.7 million, Justin Bieber 112, Katy Perry 108 million, Rihanna 97 million, and Taylor Swift 86 million. Those are your top
7: five.
3: I'd like to take over Draymond Green's Twitter
2: account for a while.
7: There you go. Thank you, Ben. I knew I know I could count on you to actually answer the question.
2: Cause a calamity. <laughs> I'll do uh, I'll do Tom Brady's and I'll tweet out that I'm overrated. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, there, we go. Oh, there
7: we go, Tim. I
5: you're mean, gonna need some yes.
2: ice packs after this beating tonight. I'm I'm like shaking mad right now. <laughs> I mean, I just can't. I can't believe you Good. would slander Tom Brady's show. Tim, are you a Tampa you know Bay Bucks fan now? A big Bucks fan. I've always been a Bucks fan since day one. Oh, God. Been there the whole time. I feel like the the Patriots and the Buccaneers are conflicting ideologies here. Well, maybe a little bit, but so long as Tampa Tom is is there, I'm I'm all in. I'm all in. I've bought in. Uh, moving on. Speaking of uh, athletes, oh,
5: that was quick.
2: Who everyone loves, everyone's favorite Frenchman Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz told ESPN recently that he wasn't a fan of the NBA's new coronavirus tip line allows players to anonymously report others for infractions of the league's policy concerning the virus, calling it, quote, petty. Is Gobert right to call out what is essentially a tattletale hotline, or is this just sour grapes from the man who was the center of the NBA's first COVID controversy?
3: Yeah, can we say that Rudy Rudy Gobert, anything that he thinks is petty? I mean, good grief.
1: <laughs>
3: like it. Rudy Gobert is the mascot for coronavirus. Like that's what he is. Like if they were, if coronavirus was a football team, Rudy Gobert would be on the sideline, dancing around, and you know he might have a a prop microphone that he swings around or something. (laughs) Like he's the last person that he needs to be giving advice or thoughts on how to handle coronavirus or any type of policy related to coronavirus. Uh, Sit down and be quiet, Mr. Gobert.
1: Ha- has he and the Mitchell guy, they kind of kissed and made up? I don't Was think it, so. Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell no. said he's never going to forgive him. So, wow. They are tattletaling on everybody. Dwight Howard got gong for not wearing his mask, you know, walking down the hallway of his hotel room. Well, what's to stop me?
3: Like, Greg, I don't like you. You play for the Celtics. I'm going to call the tip line and say yep. you, didn't, you didn't do this. Like, right. it's kind of a joke.
1: How are they going to verify whether what you're calling and saying is
5: right accurate?
1: I hope somebody Your calls contract. and tattles on Rudy Gobert, whether it's true or not.
5: <laughs> Man. I think this is one of those where they just start by believing the player with the higher contract first. Go over any rivalries, and then he passed drama and go from there. Maybe?
1: Maybe. Yeah.
5: I don't know. We'll see. Him. All right. Well, we'll... Round out seven on at seven with this. So there's a restaurant in Los Angeles that's been taking some heat this week after it was discovered it was selling moldy jams and jellies to its in-house clientele. Squirrel restaurant had been keeping its fruit preserves in buckets in a secret kitchen, and all it was doing was scraping the mold off the top before serving it to customers. Yes. But here's the thing. The owner defended the move by saying she ate stuff out of the exact same containers. So do you guys have any stories where you got rid of the bad parts of food but ate the rest?
1: I'm glad I've already eaten. <laughs> yeah,
3: same. I I am not. No. I, first of all, like, I'm not a mold guy at all. Like, like some people, like, will see mold on something and just, like, cut the mold part off and eat it. Like, I see mold on something, I want to throw away the entire drawer. Like, that's, that's kind of how I feel.
1: Fair. I'm yeah. guilty. Uh, like, a piece of bread, maybe the outsides have a little mold. I'll pull that off <laughs> nope. and still eat the bread. <laughs> nope i'm out i'll just take a spoonful of peanut butter that day i'll leave the bread out of it isn't a little mold good for you seriously i mean is this a little not not in big amounts
2: i, I, I don't you know it's gotta boost the immune amount. system once are you it, serious greg
1: <laughs> no i've heard that that's <laughs> that's right i'm i'm not making this yes, up
7: no, i think it I, is i don't
5: not know how's it amount? good for you
2: greg did you also own this restaurant or what's going on i'm just no, confused almost. is this a gordon ramsay restaurant uh, no it's problem. called Squirrel Restaurant. Why would you go to a place called Squirrel Restaurant? Like, is that one of the menu items? Can I have squirrel there? I, ugh, I don't know. The As closest,
3: anybody- the closest so- thing I can get to is not eat the crust of a pizza.
1: Like, that's the closest thing I can get to this. I just anybody okay. throw away a, a, a beer after it's born on dates past? You, have you checked some
2: beers that you think are bad?
5: I, check I usually don't let them get day. to
2: that point. <laughs> <laughs> finishes them off in a timely manner well I mean
3: yeah I, they're typically gone before expiration's even a thought so uh,
7: what about what about milk I feel like that's one that people have different I'll smell it
1: on. yeah i'll smell it yep. if it's bad'm I'm talking th- I'm th- now if it's past the day but it doesn't smell bad i'll drink it
2: yeah but if it oh, if it, it
1: smells sour no way I can't
2: do break plain if with not, lo-
1: fire if I'm on
3: like a baseball trip are... or something and come home and I noticed that it's a week past. Like a week's kind of like my cutoff. I'm just like, nah, I'm not uh, even going to mess with
7: it. Yeah, my wife it. and I are on opposite ends of the spectrum. She is, as soon as it hits the date, she's done with it. Whereas I'll yeah. do like you guys said. I'll at least smell it and see what it if it still smells fine. I'm good. My wife's the, the same the way. Up. She texts expiration dates on
3: everything. Contact solution, Tylenol. <laughs> I Like stuff I didn't even know had expiration dates. <laughs>
0: Oh,
1: wow. Good topics. You guys finished with a bang tonight. Those were good. Those were funny. Tim, great to have you back with us tonight on
2: 7 on 7. And um, thanks for revving up Ben tonight. Yeah, thank you. I can't promise I'll watch Moneyball anytime soon, but I'm glad to be back. <laughs> I, I've I've punted on
3: that idea that that, that <laughs> will ever be watched by, by Tim Curran. But it's amazing yeah. how much that movie continues to come up in conversation on the uh-huh. show.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune.
1: Who's just been showing off for the last couple of weeks. I'm at this golf course. Now I'm at this golf course. I got Dave Revson playing with me. I mean, it's just he's showing off to all of us.
6: Well, Greg, I'm on furlough, man. I'm not, I'm not making any money now, so I, I got to do something, right? I mean, I hang out with the family and work on the short game. I mean, those are the big things. So we are literally just pulling up right now. A friend of mine uh, was kind enough to drive, and we are pulling into my house. Man, today we played at Lasonia, which is a really cool public golf course in Wisconsin. And uh, for people who don't have the money for Aaron Hills or Mammoth Dunes or Sand Valley, Lysonia is the place. Cool links course. The other ones are kind of more like bucket list type uh, you know, locations. Obviously, Aaron Hills had the U.S. Open. Sand Valley and Mammoth Dunes are incredibly cool experiences. So don't hate me, but four, four rounds in four days, my friend.
1: Well, did you play Aaron Hills? I saw you posted a picture from there.
6: Yeah. It, one of the fun things is going by the plaque where Justin Thomas bombed You know, where he went three wood, three wood on a hole that was playing about 675 that day. Um, I made a solid seven, I think, on 18, which is uh, what most guys (laughs) probably make out there. They're just freak shows. I mean, what did Bryson hit one today? Was it 432, 423? What, what, What did he do on number one on Memorial?
1: He hit, he hit two drives today over 400 and one, number one was one of those. In fact, that leads me in my next question. This is obviously yeah. Jack, Jack's tournament, the memorial. And he had a little pre-tournament press conference where he just said he thinks they need to, they need to do something with the game. The, the, the game, yeah. the, the big hitters are overtaking these courses. And he, he said it can be something as simple as change the golf ball these guys use to limit how far they can hit the thing. What, what do you think of that?
6: I think Jack's been saying that since the Richard Nixon <laughs> administration. I mean, seriously, I've probably written that five times over the years, starting in my first year at the Tribune. I think it's, uh, it's a noble idea. Um, but if it hasn't happened by now, is it ever going to happen? I mean, it seems to be an issue where the manufacturers think that guys like us want to play what the pros play. So if you dial a ball back, um, can you do it just for them? Can you make them play a regulated ball and will the pros go along with it? Will it hurt their endorsements? You know, some guys want to play Titleist. Some want to play Bridgestone or Shrixon. So I think they always talk about doing it and then they just decide this is not worth the trouble.
1: Uh, Bryson did not play great today. Tiger was back. It's great for golf. Isn't it to see Tiger out there playing with the guys?
6: Tiger tapping birdie on 18 one under. And I think, you know, all of us just at this point for these kind of events, we start out just hoping that he's he's feeling all right. Um, even those even those of us who don't necessarily pull for him in every event, we want to watch him play. We know he's great for the game, and uh, we are certainly grateful about what happened last year uh, at the Masters. So it's interesting that he waited this long to go. I, I don't know if it was more COVID related or just, you know, reps on the body. I think it was I think it was the second part. I think it was knowing how intense that schedule is going to be really starting in August and him just not wanting to overdo it.
1: Yeah. Teddy Greensides with us from the Chicago Tribune. All right, golf's been going. Major League Baseball's about a week out. What kind of buzz is around Chicago about MLB getting started?
6: Yeah, I mean, momentum is really building. Now, you guys probably heard, you know, with the White Sox and Michael Kopech. That was a really interesting decision. The dude who throws over 100 miles an hour, who's married to – Vanessa Morgan, that actress, who I've spoken to a bunch, he's got some anxiety and some uh, you know, some issues to work out over there. So I think if people were going to predict a guy who was going to you know, bail this year, COVID-related, it was probably going to be him, an amazing talent. But when he finally pitches next year, it'll be two and a half years off. But no, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm almost in the shadow of, uh, of Wrigley Field here, and people are just, I think, incredibly curious and excited, bummed they won't be able to see it for themselves. Uh, but excited that you know we'll be hearing the crack of the bat. I mean, I, I, I'm close enough that I can hear the roar of the crowd. I don't know if I'll be able to hear the crack of the bat. I think people are curious about walk-up music and all that kind of stuff and what it'll fee- hear and sound like. I've been watching some soccer where they pipe in the noise. I can't decide yet if I if I like that or not. What's your What's your take on that?
1: It hasn't bothered me at on golf. I, I haven't. I have not watched much soccer. I'll be honest with you there. And <laughs> right. I did talk. We did have uh, Lane Grindle from the Milwaukee Brewers on last night, and he said they've been experimenting at Miller Park with pumping in crowd noise. He said he was yeah. not a fan, and then he observed it and he goes, "You know what? It actually kind of helped a little bit to add a little ambiance, even there, even though it's empty in the ballpark when these guys are doing it." So I I think we we'll just have to wait and see. I don't know watching. On you know, TV, that'll bother me.
5: Yeah,
6: I, I think we shouldn't be hating on it. I mean, again, I was watching soccer and I don't think it was noise in the stadium. I think it was just the broadcast. But, you know, these sports like soccer and baseball and, and really all of them, uh, you're just so used to the reactions. I mean, with soccer, when a guy misses the goal, for the crowd to go, oh, you know, for those kind of groans. So um, I guess we've also gotten used to the silence of golf. I mean, the lack of roars and the lack of. Uh, Golf claps. So, we're just all desperate for some good news because, obviously, with college football, man, we've talked about it week after week after week. We ain't getting good news on that front.
1: No, it's it's been a rough couple weeks for that. I think the percentages are certainly going down for that. I want to ask you about. The Blackhawks, as it relates yeah. to the Redskins. Obviously, the Redskins are now changing yeah. their name. That came out Monday. The Blackhawks would obviously be somebody that would be in that same realm. What discussions about that have been bouncing around Chicago?
6: Yeah, Greg, good question. It's so tough now um, to know which teams are acceptable, which ones aren't. I thought somebody had a great line. They said, uh, you know, the the team, the Cleveland Indians, is offensive. And somebody said, I totally agree. They should remove Cleveland from the name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, you know, with the Redskins, I think that was the clear cut one because it's viewed as a slur. Um, and also Dan Snyder has just been such a jerk about it. He's been so stubborn and so close minded and so unaffected by the criticism compared to Blackhawks management, which has basically said, look, we know this name offends some people. So let's work with Native American groups. Educate us. Tell us what you think. Tell us. You know, what are the things we can do to make it more palatable? Like it used to be at a lot of Blackhawks games, you would have fans come in like a full headdress. And now that almost never happens. And the, and the team is certainly more sensitive to in-game entertainment. So I think that team name is going to stay. Essentially, there's a divide among Native Americans uh, in Chicago. Some say it's fine. Some say it isn't. But it doesn't seem to really rankle uh many people obviously they could just change it to the hawks and, and change that logo to a bird but oh my god that blackhawks logo is amazing it would be a little sad if it uh, if it went away
1: i'm out of my element here are they are they part of the re, redo or they, did they make the playoffs
6: yeah it's funny how the nhl uh, kind of <laughs> rigged it so uh a lot of the biggest market teams would be in there like new york and chicago so Blackhawks will be uh, teeing it up against Edmonton, and I think it's considered almost a 50-50 series. They wouldn't have made the playoffs without, uh, without the restart. Yeah, very good.
1: All right, let, let, last question, college football. Yeah. Do you think we'll see a revised schedule from the Big Ten, or are they just going to sit on things for a few weeks? What's, what's your gut say?
6: Yeah, Greg, I mean, during the furlough, I haven't been able to write anything, but I, I, I saw it coming in terms of the uh, conference only. And here's what I think is going to happen. I mean, the coaches really don't want the season to be, quote unquote, canceled, per se, because they want their kids to be practicing and training. Uh, They don't want to say, hey, it's canceled. So now you can go out to the bars and be reckless and do whatever you want to do. So I think they're going to basically say it's a holding pattern. You know, when the announcement came about conference only, some people were like, "Okay, so they'll play conference games. I said, no, no, no. They've just eliminated the non-conference games. That's what's happening. They're not guaranteeing anything. And the more I thought about it in terms of guys like Kevin Warren, who really put, you know, student athlete health and safety first, I got obviously really um, pessimistic. So I think what they're going to do is wait, wait for a miracle. And, um, you know, think about options. But uh, right now, as we know, the options don't look great. And I'm certainly not one who's thinking a spring season makes any sense.
1: Yeah. All right. Good. Good to chat. Good to catch up. I'm glad you shaved some strokes off your game. improved (laughs) that short game. And uh, we'll chat with you next Thursday.
6: Thanks, Greg. Be well. Talk to you.
1: There he is Teddy Greenside the Chicago Tribune, joining us on our Sports Nightly hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. All right, that'll wrap up this hour. What a good hour. Great to have Tim back on 7 on 7 tonight. Good to hear from Teddy Greenstein. And again, tomorrow night, our greatest games at 95 Orange Bowl that wraps up the 94 Husker season as they beat the Miami Hurricanes. And at HuskerSports.tv is where you can access and listen to those guys commentate along as the game is being played, hosted by our own Brendan Stein. That'll be fun for tomorrow night. Also then, back on Monday, we are going to launch our preseason top 25 on Monday. Who do we have in the 25 spot? Who do we going to have in 24, 23? You're going to have to tune in next week for all of that. It's going to be a lot of fun as we add that to our preseason football talk. We're all keeping those fingers crossed. We actually get to see some college football played here this fall in Nebraska and around the Big Ten and around the country as well. Thanks again to Teddy for being with us just fresh off the golf course, playing in a round of golf today. Tough duties for that fella. Good hour here on Sports Island.